Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic, Episode 1.6, A Tale of Two Clone Wars. I'm Kelsey, that's Luke, and there's always a little bit of truth in legends. First, a reminder about some podcast business. Last time you heard from us, we mentioned that the podcast is on a little bit of a narrative hiatus while Luke readies for the bar exam. If you're expecting more of the narrative from Knights of the Old Republic 2, that's coming, but it's coming in March. Um, in the meantime, we want to take some episodes um, to dive into other parts of canon and other Star Wars series um, in our continued exploration of what gets to be canon and doesn't. Um, and for today, we're going to be talking about the two Clone Wars series um, released in the um, first released in the 2000s um, that sort of stitched together that stitched together and then expand upon the time between Attack of the Clones and the uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, confusingly, these shows are named um, Clone Wars and then The Clone Wars. And if we wanted to attribute an Artur to the first one, we could say Tartakovsky, the uh, same animation genius um, behind Samurai Jack and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but then that would just be TCW and also TCW. So we have Clone Wars <laughs> and the Clone Wars. Um, and the um, Tartakovsky Clone Wars was a series of short episodes, two different series. The first episodes were like between three to five minute episodes. The second was um, like 15 minute episodes that aired um, in the years between uh, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And what they did, um, which I did not discover until watching much, much later, is they coherently stitched together the whole, the end, that um, General Grievous could be an intimidating figure um, in marketing and then a wheezing... um, villain on his last many, many legs in film is a kind of weird moment that is only explained in canon, or at least what was then canon, through this little, like, insert um, insert TV show. And it's kind of like what happened with um, a release of Rise of the Skywalker, which we'll not be talking about too, too much, but how um, Palpatine speaking precedes the release of the film in related media, but you had to be on Fortnite to know that. Um, it's a weird sort of stitch to weird connective tissue. It'll be uh, very strange, I imagine, to people discovering Star Wars um, years down the road or, um, I guess, children coming of age to have to figure out, wait, what is this relation? And then was it a, how do I... Do I have to like go find old Let's Plays of Fortnite to get the canon bit? Um, so that's like that's the the immediate preceding thing, and so that's why we wanted to talk a bit about the Clone Wars. Uh, I personally think you should have to uh, you should have to go back and watch Let's Plays of Fortnite, um, but you know, just as a punishment for things that we do wrong, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 
Nobody, nobody should watch that. I mean, like, watch, watch whatever game you want to watch, but like, come on. I played Fortnite. It isn't, it isn't that interesting. I swear. <laughs> You're going to have. Oh, we're gonna have the funnest responses to this thing. Um. So. Um, oh yeah. So the Clone Wars itself is interesting to um, the the two projects because it's an attempt to fill in the details of one of the earliest known extraneous events to the series, right? We trace back um, to A New Hope, right? When uh, when we when Leia beseeches Obi-Wan saying he served her father in the Clone Wars. Um, and that's the mm-hmm. reference we get to. It. And I know last time I took some time aside to go on like, well, what? how did they conceive of the Old Republic before they made... Kotor and before they made uh, before they made the prequels but what we get um, and now that we have it in a film can is we get two different um, somewhat incompatible narratives that both build to the same end result in film um, yeah yeah it um, 2003 Clone Wars um, sits in this weird space um, even in the old legends canon, it was in a weird spot because originally it was supposed to just be um, like that was just the canon, and you know, like it like they were overpowered or whatever. But you know, like that was the canon; those things happened. <clears throat> but then, as they went on, and after um, Revenge of the Sith, which was in two thousand five. You know, they started looking and they were like, hey, we could do a series. And and I believe George Lucas, you know, specifically wanted to do one on the Clone Wars to uh, to flesh all of that out. Um, and uh, and at first they they said, you know, we're not going to to overwrite the old stuff. And then like it, just, I guess they just made an internal decision at some point that like they could do whatever they want. And they could supersede the old stuff if they wanted. And. I mean, like, again, it obviously doesn't make, uh, doesn't, doesn't invalidate any of that because, you know, Tartakovsky's Clone Wars is just, it's, it's so much fun. Like, even if you don't, even if you don't like the prequels, watching Tartakovsky's Clone Wars is fun because it is, it's literally, I think, like two hours and 20 minutes and it is just two hours and 20 minutes of the Jedi being absolute fucking badasses. Like, like doing this heroic shit. Mace Windu is like throwing, he's like karate chopping droids because his saber like went away, but like he's killing like a hundred droids every 10 seconds, you know? And like, uh, an authorian uses like the four throats that he has and the force to like knock down an entire garrison of, of um, droid troops of, of assault battle droids. And, um, and so like, yeah, like it's overpowered. And like, I mean, I get that, you know, some, it's not everybody's thing, but at the same time, like, it's just fun. It's just so fun to, to watch. And I mean, like it, some of it's not great. Like I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Anakin's vision quest. Like it's not bad. It's just not my favorite thing, you know, but then, but, but that stuff is like drowned out because of like 
you know, Kiati Mundi fighting General Grievous and Grievous is in there and like the Jedi can't like stop Grievous at all. They can't touch him at all. And that's really cool. And it's a really good excuse for why he is like a worthless dingbat in, you know, in Revenge of the Sith. Right. And it's really interesting because we so it was it was I made sure to, to rewatch it and I think um it's one of the few, I think, um pieces of non film canon that I think works really well if you're trying to like go through you're introducing someone to Star Wars and you want to see and you're going through the prequels, you can the the later uh, the later show is is a, is a lot and there there's being episodes and we'll get to that but like two and a half hours of Tarkovsky's animation of Jedi being badasses and then also meeting um, a implacable droid like foe wielding lightsabers who just cannot be best it is so rich and it builds to it and it really um it. Ends. This is one of the the most striking moments of it. Is the last minutes of of the of Clone Wars ends immediately before um, Revenge of the Sith. You can watch one flow into the other, and and obviously, right, it's live accents to switch there. But what you get is the c- continuity of battle, um, and it's strange and it's delightful. Um, and it finally like makes sense, like oh well, this thing had been monstrous and unstoppable, and now isn't. It's a culmination, right? It's the when you're stumbling into the third act of something, um, it gives you the context for why that is there. I think the Battle of Coruscant in um, in the that Clone Wars series is one of the most fascinating pieces of mm. of work about both the abilities of Jedi and their limitations. Um, and why, like, why are the Separatists on Coruscant? Why is it sort of a regicide attempt on the on the on Supreme Chancellor Palpatine? What is going on here? And like, there's machinations and stuff, but you feel it as a lived thing. And it really, like, it's a seamless transition from the ending of that to the start of Revenge of the Sith. Um, yeah. And there's oh, and you can see it on. Uh... Sorry, you can see it on like YouTube. There, um, there are like videos that put them both together. They put the the Battle of Coruscant in Tartakovsky's Clone Wars, and they run it right into um, the the beginning of Revenge of the Sith, and and they work really well together. They're not, um, um, like it, it, it's almost seamless how they how like, um it was made to like, because the first thing you see is, or the last thing you see in Tartakovsky's Clone Wars is the camera starts to pan up through the atmosphere of Coruscant. And there are all those, um, separatist and Republic ships fighting. And if you remember the very first scene of revenge of the Sith is pulling up through like, like thousands of ships fighting. Um, and like, yeah, they just, they just work really well together. And I mean, I'm sure that's not a, that's not a coincidence, but you know. And so it's interesting too, because it like worked as the canon, right? It was the bridge. The Clone Wars is right. A three year period in canon um, that 
we get glimpses of in the original trilogy, and then it's the centerpiece, right? It's the it's the centerpiece off screen in the in the filmed prequel trilogy. And what it does is it shows how you go from how does a from planets leaving the Republic turn into a into a galactic a galactic civil war, into a war of consolidation, into the means by which Palpatine, who we know is like controlling both sides of it, builds um, builds the Republic from sort of a a arbiter between between planets into the predominant military and like active controlling military force there. Um, it's really and we get you get glimpses of it. You see too um, like tensions that are only like barely touched upon or hinted at. One of the more striking moments is um when like there's a um and a lot of the a lot of these episodes are wordless they get a little talkier as they go on later um but there's one which Mm -hmm. is we see kit fisto um specifically i should i should for for the the kit fisto vantage shirtless kit fisto dive into the ocean to fight that's important it's very important it's an extremely important thing he uh looks ripped as hell um and he dives Mm -hmm. into the ocean to fight a Basically, the separatists back a civil war on the planet of Mon Calamari, um, this, and the Republic picks a different side, and it's this huge, massive thing, and you get like the scale of it, right? Where like it's a massive thing, and there is one Jedi um, in this whole planet doing all of this, and there's basically everywhere. The um, perhaps the most hyperbolic isn't exactly right, but the most obscenely powered thing we see is there is a uh, there's a droid army f- this is the droids fighting Republic on this planet and all we see is like Mace Windu single-handedly that's the one where he loses his sword and forces oh, yeah. him chops people and they just in have it da- a- on Dantooine yeah is that on Dantooine yeah yeah they say it earlier I noticed that the last time I was watching it they say He's on Dantooine, and then they show him on a planet that's all like rolling grasslands. And I mean, I guess it might not be Dantooine. I guess I could go look for sure. But like, <sighs> if it's not, that would be really weird because that's what Dantooine always looks like is like the rolling grasslands and all that. So, yeah. And so, one of the things striking about that one, too, is we get there's a we have a like a sort of scene setting perspective, right? We get a little child, um, well, not little, but like, you know, like a maybe. Maybe yeah. a young teen somewhere in the that range child who is watching um, this fight um, from a distance, and that gives you the sense of scale. And then, like, is visited by Mace Windu at the end, and you get the sense um, in universe that because even when the Jedi are at their most numerous, there aren't that many, and so this would be maybe mm-hmm. the first time or the only time in someone's life where they see it. And they learn, yeah. and they have this fantastical story, um, and then they that character would carry it with them um, in all their encounters. It would be either to, if if someone had seen Force users, they might understand it, but if they haven't, they just sound insane um, or like a crank. And that's kind of the way you get a whole a whole mythology around the Force in there of the of the supreme power of it, which is power but it's also power told by people who don't have a good way to comprehend it Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, it's um like one of the things that uh one of the things that's interesting to me about about um the 2003 Clone Wars is how much they uh like how much it like it does like build up the Jedi and like what they do and everything like that. And, but, but also like, um, like the, the droids, the droids are tougher. The, um, the clones are, you know, like the clones are way more, you know, way more badass than we see in the movie. You know, everything's cranked up to, you know, to 11 there. And it's, it's a really interesting way to uh, to look at it because you know in like uh, in like video games and um, and in books and such you you start to get like power creep and stuff like that. So uh, and power creep, if you don't, for those who don't know, is uh, like where the enemies and the the protagonist and antagonist both continually just get way more and more and more powerful uh, with every successive like book or, or story or whatever. And, and it happened a whole lot in, um, in the old legends stuff, especially with uh, Luke Skywalker's new Jedi order. Like, you know, Luke just kept getting more powerful and the enemies kept getting like crazier and, you know, then they got to Abeloth and all that. And it's just like, um, you know, things just get too powerful, but it's interesting to see them make like a, a you know, like a, a purposeful decision to be like, no, you know, we're, we're, we're going to make it like this and this is how we're going to do it. And, and this is how we're going to portray how, you know, how cool and, and mythic the Jedi are. And it's one of the things I think that works really well when they decided to win, when the canon transitioned from being the expanded universe to a um, to a legends canon and a rest of canon, um, and well, we'll talk a little bit. I know we've we, we touched on it a lot, but we'll talk again about the tiered levels of canon. But one of the things by picking legends as the way to include everything, right, is it sounds like something a character might overhear in a bar in Star Wars. Um, this is like this is this is Cantina Chatter. This is the the thing that person they don't understand. You see someone who's like stumbled in from a from like luckily hiding out during a firefight, and they come back with this fantastical story of what happened. Um, and Legends is a really good way to put that because it's both the like the heroes of stature, but also are they myth? Are they true? Is it true in there? And then it gets off where we're talking obviously about canon within. What is and isn't canon in a fictional universe? It gets to choose its own canon, but it's really interesting that they, to, rather than invalidate all, they put it as a here's, here's what people may have heard. Here are things that are sort of happening. Um, and with the Clone Wars and the mm-hmm. shift to it, um, we saw that shift to re solidify or, or sort of unite and, and tidy up canon. Um, we didn't really see it in the in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars, but we saw it in the Clone Wars, the the later show, which um, took some efforts to to address canon disputes and to set up a longer narrative that was going to stay within continuity, and that paid off um, when that when the canon was handed over um, from from Lucas 
to Disney, it became a, um, they shifted the old expanded universe to Legends. But the first, the, the thing they kept um, outside of the movies, and at that point it was just the six movies, is they kept the Clone Wars show. Yeah, um so like there's a lot there's a lot that's interesting there um in that whenever they whenever they brought it over um they could have kept pretty much anything. Um they could have kept uh I mean they could have kept any number of books or video games stuff like that. I know a lot of people were surprised that they didn't keep Shadows of the Empire which um uh, you know, which is a video game, a book, and and a series of comics that happened between um, uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi it came out in the nineties, um, and that was like a whole big undertaking for Lucas and for Lucas Arts, um, and people were surprised by that. And I think some people wanted them to, uh, um, you know, people wanted them to keep things, you know, like obviously Kotor and Kotor Two and and uh, the Plagueis book and stuff like that. Um, but they only kept these things, and I, I think the reason for that was, I, you know, if you go back and you watch it, you you have to remember that basically everything that that happens in the Clone Wars uh, series was done before Disney got involved at all because oh, only the last season happened the, the season six only that season happened after um after Disney uh took over and most of it had been done before um before they decided to wipe it and everything like that so it's just um it's interesting because George Lucas was very clearly trying or going to going to a place where he wanted to um, basically retcon out everything that wasn't the the movies up up to that time, which was the original prequel trilogies and the second Clone Wars TV show. Um, and he wanted to streamline the canon in some way, and I don't know why he he didn't ever do it you know um i i don't i don't really know why he didn't do it like fully why he didn't just you know decide it but you know when disney disney decided they were going to do it and that was that um you know after the fact so it's it's interesting you know to me that you'll hear people talk about how you know disney you know retcon and changed a lot of these things it's like well yes obviously they did but at the same time Lucas was already going towards retconning out the old EU. And I mean, like as much as I love, um, as much as I love, uh, as much as we love the old Republic, it's, you know, he, he was, he was going to get, you know, he's going to get rid of that too. And I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, in some ways wish they, you know, they would have kept it, but at the same time, you know, that's their prerogative and they can do what they want. I just, you know, it's funny. To, to me hey. and we should mention right that the the existing uh, prior to the 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 split into into legends and canon there was a like five no one two three like six tiered sort of canon mm-hmm. system in there which um yeah like like ordered circles out from how involved george lucas was um <laughs> yeah pretty much like 
just a, a weird, weird sort of layered, layered system or nested system where mm-hmm. what George Lucas touched and what George Lucas touched most recently, um, especially counted as the most mm-hmm. canon thing. Yeah. And then you would go to um, television and then you would go to um, to th- to things explicitly deemed within uh, the main canon, then there's a secondary canon, and then there's another weird canon, and then there's explicitly like it's Star Wars, but only not really. Uh, but it's yeah. Star Wars, but we're happy to contradict yeah. it in the future. That's a mess. It's a mess of a system. Um, yeah, to maintain. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it it absolutely is. It's it's like a ridiculously um, a ridiculously messy system. And I mean, the 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 other the other interesting thing about it is that they did they don't really or they never really presented it like that. Like if you talk to people who you know who read and you know or at least know a little bit about the old EU, like a lot of them just you know just assume that it is all canon. Like how everything now that comes out from Disney is canon. Like it might be like they might smooth like the canon later to like make something less contradictory sounding or like to make it fit into what they really want established, um, which is exactly what's going to happen with the Rise of Skywalker, just like it happened with the prequels earlier. I'm sorry to burst everyone's bubble about, uh, you know, being upset about the Rise of Skywalker, but um, they, uh, you know, the people would think, you know, no, it's, it's all just the same Canon, but like at Lucas, like there was the G Canon, which is the top, like the, it was the top tier. And that was like the Lucas Canon. So that was the first six movies. And then, um, and then the Clone Wars TV show. And then, you know, everything went down in like descending order after that. And, um, like you can't, I mean, like for some stuff, you, you have no idea where it's, it's like, I, you know, I couldn't tell you where, where a lot of stuff sits in there because some of the stuff that came after it was, you know, it was contradicted or it was retconned or whatever word you want to use. But at the same time, like, I don't really know if that was purposeful because they like, they have people who are like over the canon, but they weren't like, you know, you know, that, no, that's not canon. You can't write that. Like, you know, I mean, if they caught it, they would, but you know, sometimes they didn't. And then sometimes people just wanted to change things purposefully, like, you know, with the Mandalorians getting changed and the whole Karen Travis thing. So. I think something too, and well, we're just touch upon it lightly now and we'll touch upon it more um, in our respective episodes on, um, both the holiday special and the the Mandalorian. We're getting to those, don't worry. Um, but something that's really interesting is when you see something uh, that is explicitly deeply non-canon bleed over um, into the canon. Um, yeah. Which the one I'm going to mention right now, and we'll save more diving into it for a little bit later, is the is Boba Fett's rifle from the mm-hmm. Boba Fett cartoon that appeared in the holiday special. Um which we now see a, a style of that used by the Mandalorian and the pouts it took there. Well, we'll dive into, but like, it's very interesting to see where, where things get picked up as, as scrap and then end up mm-hmm. uh, in continuity. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely does. Um, 
in like the old uh the old Clone Wars, um two thousand three Clone Wars, um, it introduced Ilum, the the crystal planet, um, where Jedi go to find their, their crystals and build their lightsabers and um and that later appeared in the Clone Wars show, but but it first came up in um, in two thousand three Clone Wars, and um, there's like a there's like a lot of stuff like that, and um, I think it's really interesting, um, you know how how like the canon evolves and how it changes because it, like when 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 me and Kelsey were kids before the prequels came out, like the clone wars were first of all there was almost nothing written about them but like for what was there like it was like a an extra galactic army of clones attacked the the star wars galaxy and the jedi defended the galaxy from those clones so it was it wasn't like the clones were were the good guys or were the defenders or whatever it was you know they came from outside and you know obviously the the prequels just completely blew that out of the water and uh and, and you know changed what what the clone wars actually what they actually were and what they meant so um you know, it's it's just interesting how they like they go through and they like pick and take and and choose you know little bitty things like even in the Clone Wars, the 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 later series like they even took something from um, from the start from the Old Republic MMO like um, the there's a logo in in the episodes where um, they go to get the the Kyber crystals on Ilum there is a logo on the ship and it's it's specifically said to be an old republic ship and it uses the logo of the old republic that the jedi had in um the old republic mmo and so that thing from the old republic that showed up first there is was now put was put in can was put in canon and you if if you want to know what i'm talking about it's the same logo the little firebird logo that's uh that we have on Fotor, it's it's a stylized version of that. So, yeah, just pick and choose from wherever you know. And it's also right, like this is a canon um, that is still being expanded on. Um, um, obviously, right? Like we're seeing, we're seeing more, yeah, more stuff here. But there is a. Right, like, isn't I got? But it's a, it's a expand that's being expanded on, right? We saw like the the references into other things too. But aren't there? Isn't there a new series of Clone Wars in the works? Or did yeah, I? Yeah, just... yeah. Um, no, no, no. That's right. It's coming out in uh, late February um, of this year, twenty twenty, um, season seven. So I believe it's going to be. I think it's going to be 12 episodes. Um, and one of the arcs is going to be the return of Ahsoka and the siege of Mandalore, which is where she uh, dethrones them all who has taken over Mandalore um, and taken over death watch. And that happens right at the time as order of, of order 66. And then, um, there's going to be uh, Bad Batch, which is um, which was like a series of episodes that was 
an animatic was released for them uh, a few years ago. And so you can see like whatever they look like in 2010 or 2011, whenever that was made. Um, you can see that online, like, like uh, Star Wars released it. Um, uh, so that's going to be one. And there are a couple of others that uh, I don't know that they've actually uh, announced all of them yet. But yeah, it's uh, season seven. Um, it'll tie up some more stuff with Ahsoka. And and um, I think it's I think they're they're going to try and do the lead in the direct lead into um, to like episode three to like kind of close it out. But I don't you know, I don't know that for sure. It would be really, I think, a, I mean, and this is just, this is pure speculation at this point, but I think it would be really mm-hmm. fun if they, if they borrowed from, from the last series and they do that, um, mm-hmm. that direct lead. And I think it'd be um, fascinating to see why, what they, what they keep and what they don't. I think the opening, closing on the opening shot of the movie is mm-hmm. um, a, a relatively recent addition to Star Wars. I think that the um, Tarkovsky and then Sith did it first, and then we see it again with how um, with Rogue One choosing mm-hmm. um, to end right at the beginning, um, which was a, a I think an extremely effective choice. I mean, it'd be really fun to see if they do that again, though. I don't know. Like, would we get to see them? Would, would they do the same battle of Coruscant? Would they? spill that over again um because that yeah yeah um i don't i don't know i don't i i don't know i just um i know that dave filoni who um is the animation director at uh, lucasfilm um has said he only wants to do the season seven so season seven is it for the clone wars as, as far as we know um and then I think after that they're doing uh, um, a sequel to Rebels, um, and after that, uh, you know, uh, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's you know they've got. Uh, I I don't know if they're going to see get back into uh, episode three, but it would be interesting. Huh. Yeah. And it also, I mean, I think it tells too, right? That now that um, what was so strange about the the carryover of the Clone Wars into Disney canon is not like it was still it's still like a, a it's still popular, it's still modern, but it's that Disney decided to do a television thing before they really had their. I mean, they had dedicated television outlets. They own all sorts of things. They own a third of media. We should not forget that. Um, but, uh, or a third of entertainment, et cetera. But um, that they picked a TV show that was just like airing about as a thing to keep. And now that we know that they've like invested in their own network and their own streaming and their own ex- exclusive mm-hmm. things um, to carry it forward. And we can expect to see obviously like a lot more playing in that canon and playing um in that space, and as a as a sort of I guess a counterpoint to it, I don't know if it if it is. I believe it's still true, um, at least as of recording. Right, the Tartakovsky Clone Wars is just all available floating around on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. and that's like, and that's that's a a functional dead end that Disney won't like revisit. It's a it's a strange, wonderful little thing um, that 
I think, slots well into marathons, but doesn't do the things they wanted the TV shows to do, right? It doesn't fill out that space. It doesn't yeah. let you do standalone episodes about character. It barely lets you do anything with words. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and and it, it does, I mean, it does create questions like for new fans about like if you have to look at that or if you're looking at it from a totality type of uh, thing, you know, new fans, if they come in and see that they, um, if they don't know who, you know, Tarkovsky is, they don't know his animation style, the way he deals with like, you know, war and things like that in his, uh, in, in his TV shows, um, you know, they'll be like, you know, why, why are these Jedi so much different from the ones I see on TV or from the ones I see in movies? Because I mean, you know, frankly, they are, uh, far more powerful than you know than uh the, than the jedi we see in ter- in the movies in terms of you know what they can do with the force how much you know weight they can lift how far how high they can jump everything like that um and so it's uh it, it's um it, you know it, it creates that issue and you know you know it, it it doesn't matter to us because, you know, we're, you know, we're fans and we can be like, Oh yeah, I know that like it, you know, it wasn't really a thing or it was, but at the same time for, you know, looking at it from the perspective of someone like George Lucas, who, um, you know, obviously wanted to, um, fix the can and how he saw fit, you know, you could, you could see how, uh, how, how that, you know, how that might cause problems. And also, you know, it's just, uh, it wasn't, I guess it wasn't as kid friendly as he was, uh, as he was going for and, um, and the prequels and then in the, the Clone Wars TV show, because if you do, if you do go and you check out, uh, the second Clone Wars, you, you know, you just, you need to be aware, especially in the first two seasons that it is a children's TV show. Like it, it is, you know, it's, it was written with children in mind, it, you know, stuff like that. So, you know, when you go in, just, you know, remember that the like simplistic, you know, kind of stuff and like the awe kind of moments and all stuff like that is it's supposed to be in there. And your and my, um, you know, uh, just jaded brains that look at that and go, you know, and roll our eyes, you know, you just just deal with it for a second and then move on and, you know, and watch the rest of it because I get it. But at the same time, you know, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't written for you know. It re- the Clone Wars really were not, especially the first two seasons. Really, were not written for adults. You know, they have stuff that we enjoy, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, and then there's also parts like I'm trying to remember the the. It later gets into like multi arc episodes where they oh, yeah. are, um. Basically doing, I'm trying to remember the name of the war movie because there's one that they do like this riff on a war, war movie where a general goes, I mean. Umbara? Yeah, that's the one. Yes. The yeah. This like, yeah, the whole like space Vietnam, it's, uh, it, it's dark. Like the world is covered in darkness. That's like a feature of the world. Um, and the people have somehow evolved, you know, yeah, yeah insert sci-fi you know exposition explainer here um they've somehow evolved and there's you know there's this uh 
there's this Jedi general who, you know, he's, he's a little more cavalier with the clones lives than, than even the Jedi who, you know, who don't, who aren't as personable. Um, and, you know, come to find out he's a bad guy. He's fallen to the dark side and, you know, he's a bat, he's a basiliskan, um, like Dexter Jetster in, in attack of the clones. Um, so he's just this giant, you know, Goro looking dude with four arms and he's, he has two double bladed lightsabers and it is like, you know, it's just like somebody showing up and they're like, yeah, we can do this. It looks really cool. You know what? Do you, and I mean, like it takes like 50 clones to like, to knock this dude down. Like, I mean, maybe more it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's really it's it's a really good arc. I think it's four episodes. Yeah, it's it's good shit. Right, and so it was interesting too. I mean, it's one of the well, the things too is the the whole of the Clone Wars, right? Is a three year three year long galaxy spanning war that we get to see glimpses of and pieces of, and they managed to fit. As it's four years, um, yeah, four years, but they fit so much into it and they get to do it as a as a riff on things and um where the Tartakovsky riffs on like the the mythical power and stature of Jedi Clone Wars gets really into like it again it is for it is it, it was structured and launched and marketed for kids it is it's based especially early on but it also spends time later on and wrestling with like what how does being at war in what feels like no situation, no win situations, warp people tasked with fighting it, um, which is not the kind mm-hmm. of thing you can really do in a in a movie or a shorter thing, unless that is the whole point of it. But to put it in a in a longer arc to explore that part of the universe, and again, this is a whole era um, that is spawned initially by like a reference to what. Obi-Wan was doing before he went into hiding. What was his... When was <laughs> yeah. he a general? How do we know that the Jedi did something big and then stepped away? Yeah. Um, that's the that's the seed of it, right? And we are... And all of that, right, is how we get to the... Well, there was a, there was a government and it fell. It fought this war before it fell. Um mm-hmm. And it had mythical guardians. Yeah, but I mean, at the, yeah, yeah. At, at the time, like we didn't even know, like uh, the Clone Wars were the were the thing that that caused them to fall. We just knew that that was something that Obi Wan and, and Anakin fought in, you know, like a you know a long time ago. And it's, um, you know, the the thing that the Clone Wars does really well is it fills in a lot of the gaps that are admittedly present in the prequel movies um and it humanizes character it humanizes the characters a lot more like it builds it, it makes anakin a much much more likable character um than if you didn't like him in the prequel movies because y- you like you start to understand like why he didn't trust the Jedi and why he ended up falling. And, you know, like it, that doesn't make it okay, but you know, like 
it's better to have good characterization of your characters and your villains than to, you know, leave them as nebulous, you know, amorphous blobs of good or bad or whatever. Um, and so it, it does, it's really interesting because, you know, the Yoda, Yoda we see in the prequels and Yoda we see in the original trilogy, they are not like they're in a lot of ways, like seemingly incompatible. Like, yes, obviously Yoda, you know, learned from his time in war and the mistakes he made and everything like that. And that informs like, uh, like what he tells Luke, uh, you know, more than 19, you know, more than 19 years later. But at the same time, he's just like, there, there, there's, we don't see anything that brings those two things together. And the very last three episodes that they did um, in 2014 really do that. Like we see at the beginning, it's Yoda and he's learning to um, preserve his consciousness after death and a force ghost. Um, and we see, uh, we see like, him going to do this and he has to go through a lot of trials and tribulations and things like that. And one of them is you see that Yoda literally believes like he has conquered the dark side. He, he believes that. And that to me anyway, like literally encompasses what a big issue that, that the Jedi had in the prequels is that they, had lost their way. They thought they conquered the dark side. They thought they knew the dark side and they didn't even realize that, um, you know, the thing that the thing that they were actively participating in was the thing that was leading them to the end. Um, and like Yoda finds that out. He finally understands that. And, you know, of course that happens, you know, a few weeks or, you know, a month or so before, uh, you know, before episode three, which you know is, is the end of the Jedi. So yeah, it's um, yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a lot of characterization, and you. Can, I mean, obviously, like that's a lot heavier than the other stuff we're talking about. So you know, you can you can see where they, you know, they they understood that they needed to to mix to mix up the audience. But yeah, you know, it's. I mean, it's also really interesting as a as a work, right? And the the because we can see the Clone Wars as doing. Um, it's obviously right. Like all of this is first and foremost, right? It's entertainment. It's designed to be to tell stories and to get people to to watch those, etc., and all that, and and sell all the things it needs to sell. But as a work within a continuity, the Clone Wars is the first, or maybe the most complete attempt to tie together um, the loose threads of film continuity and build um, a sort of document of in-universe canon. And, right, we have um, we have books, we have, like, guidebooks and source books and things. We have lots of works that piece it together. But for a product, it's a product that is um, – that talks about the things in canon and in continuity – um, and it, it has the time and the space to do it, to build a um, arcs about canon. And like that's secondary, right? That's that's the background there. You're not watching this and thinking like, well, what did happen? But like if you were stunned to see Darth Maul show up alive and in charge of a criminal syndicate at the very end of Solo, there's 
Clone Wars has, like, it exists there. It's a reference text that has, here is when this happened. Here is how the top half of his body survived thanks to the force and also force of will. Um, If you were wondering about the deleted scene in, um, in Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan talks to, I think he talks to Yoda, but it might be talking to Bale about um, hearing that Qui-Gon Jinn learned something new. And then that last arc of of the Clone Wars um, that's so aired so far is about Yoda figuring out how to become Force Ghosts, which in A New Hope feels like a thing that everyone has known, but is in the canon of this whole universe is instead a very recent discovery about the force that happens in a deleted scene. Yeah. I think, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like in my mind, the way that they would, the way that they would, you know, kind of, uh, you could kind of put those two things together as you could say, like, you know, you tell the story that happened, you know, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, however many thousands of years before uh, the prequels begin. And, you know, you say, like, you know, Jedi disappeared, stuff like that. And the reason that they didn't understand that by the time of the prequels is, you know, it was just another aspect of them losing their way. And, I mean, I think there's, like, you know, there's ways that you could, you know, you could definitely finagle the canon to, you know, to make that work. It's just, I mean, you're right. Like it's this thing where for the longest time, you know, we thought that when Jedi died, they, they just disappeared. Like that's what it was. And then like, there were a couple of books and things like that where they didn't like, where they didn't disappear. And like, I remember one of them is like Luke, Luke sees a Jedi die, but the Jedi doesn't disappear. And he's like, uh, oh no, like that, per- maybe that person wasn't a good Jedi. Am I not going to disappear when I die? Like, that's really scary to me. Like, I-, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. And then in the prequels, they just take it and they pull it out, like right at the very end of, of, of episode three, like, you're like, okay, why didn't Qui-Gon disappear in episode one? And then at the very end of episode three, they, like, they, they sort of kind of maybe barely answer it, which is I've been communing. Yoda's like, I've been communing with the dead. And Obi-Wan's like, Master Qui-Gon. And like, oh, yeah, that's the most normal thing that's ever happened. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, I mean, and like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just ridiculous in the way that Star Wars things are ridiculous. Either you roll your eyes at them or you think they're fun or for some reason you think they're really good. And, you know. None of that has any rhyme or reason. That's why everybody complains about uh, the rise of Skywalker, and then like, oh, so you hate it? You hated it so much. It's your least favorite Star Wars film. I'm like, no, it's like fifth or sixth. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, like that's that's how it is. Like, <laughs> people just, you know, Star Wars fans are what they are. That's <laughs> in this in this TED talk. I will. And it speaks to too. I think one of the really interesting things about how canon works and how especially canon works when you have multiple creators, right? And this is the shift that happened with, um, cause George Lucas kept rewriting his own work, right? Like you, um, yeah. it was like, 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was filling in blanks. He was doing in different stories. We see the um, I think the the special editions are probably the clearest example of it. Where he's like, well, there should be this, this, and this, <laughs> yeah. and this here, um, and that's one guy in conversation with himself. But with um, with the yeah. DC canon, what we have and what we and what they were building with um, the Clone Wars, um, the the longer Clone Wars show, is it sort of the it's the improv act of yes and right you have to accept yeah. what is already there in canon and so if you start yes. from just the six films and then you build out a show you have a lot of room to like you have the you have the most room of what yes mm-hmm. and you have to do that people know um and that's how we get to it and every every yeah. contribution remains in that same well okay accepting what we saw on screen you either have to like do some some finagling, some weird language, and then you just build it and throw it into canon, um, and that's where we're at. And it's one of the really interesting things too is that the Clone Wars itself did very very little to um, to go over or to replace what had happened in the earlier Clone Wars. It just accepted, right? Like, oh well, it was four years of war. There's a lot of things happening in the galaxy all the time. We can just tell stories around that. Mm. Um, we don't have to step over it and we can build on the template and the, the space to fill out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think that's, I think that it's something, it, it speaks to two things. Um, the, the first one is that um, it, it's really why it's why the canon wipe was a good idea because the old if you're going to have a living canon or whatever you want to call it a, like a canon that you continually build on you have to either like you basically have to change the way that you look at the canon and you know you just say okay all of this all of this uh um all of this stuff that contradicts the other stuff, you know, it's, it's all just in there and, you know, we'll figure it out later or you can just wipe it away and you can start from there. And I mean, that's what they did. They wiped it away and they started from there and they said, okay, everything that George Lucas personally had his hand in creating, um, whether in terms of directing or, you know, him, uh, you know, like he did with the Clone Wars, which was executive producing, signing off on all the ideas and stuff like that. Um, he, they, you know, they said, okay, we're just going to, we're just going to tear it down to the boards and we're going to go from there. And the thing that, the thing that it, that it, that it does is it makes it easier to, for people to get into it. And if you want to have like a streamlined canon, it's the only thing you can do. But at the same time, it also takes like the, those movies and, and the TV show. And, you know, like if you don't like, the prequels that's fine but you know they're they're baked in at this point that 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 is that that's what they are like in every star wars movie just it comes out and it finagles and it grooves and it tells a story from a certain point of view and that's what it does and so it's like i mean you know that's that's just what they do and you either accept it for what it is or you know I guess you can, you, you don't, but I mean, that's how the can, that's how the Star Wars canon has always been. It's always been this thing where they wanted to change it up and, um, 
it was growing and living at the same time. And then Lucas decided he, you know, he, he wanted to get rid of a lot of that and they started working towards that. And I mean, you, you can see it in the Clone Wars, like the Clone Wars actively contradicts parts of the EU. Like, and I mean, maybe it did it. Maybe it wasn't purposeful, but at the same time, like it kind of seems like it was, you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put my stamp on it and this is what it's going to be. And, you know, you get this thing that does that goes a long way to it to fleshing out uh, of the prequels. But as you said, when you wipe everything, you've just got this giant Blake slate that you can use. And uh, I mean, I hope that they just hope they decide to go outside of that seventy year period um, <laughs> and try something new in the future. And I think, I mean, I think that we're starting to see too that even when they are. The film canon is where where the film canon is, but even with shows, they're starting to play in different spaces where um, you get a, Mm -hmm. if not an exactly a ground level view of everything, you get to see people much more as like, oh, well, I've heard of Force users maybe once, and then when they have to encounter one, it blows their mind. Um, And I'm excited to see what what Star Wars does outside of that, right? We have, obviously... um, we, you wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here if we weren't deeply interested in the old canon of the old Republic and what what that story was, how that story worked through Star Wars, what it meant for Star Wars. But also, there is so much, right? Like, we have so much space and universe of story to tell. Um, and you can just do a sly nod here or there in a distant story to remind people that this is all one universe and it'll be great and it'll mm. be fine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't I don't know if they're like if they're really like scared or even uh nervous to go outside of of, you know, of what they have established, but um it seems that they're at least skittish about it. They're they're not they're, you know, they're they're playing it close to the vest. They haven't annou- really announced anything yet. So yeah. Who, who knows? I mean, I like, I, I think the star Wars as a, um, as a sci-fi backdrop, which I guess is, you know, how, how we look at it, you know, instead of like star Wars is just this time period where these movies happen, which is, I mean, admittedly how a lot of people look at it, a, a lot more people than, than, you know, care about the old EU and all that sort of stuff, because it's most of the people who've, who've ever watched the movies. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's uh, even implausible to say that, yeah, they're, you know, they just go in and, and when people see lightsabers and they see the force and they see stuff like that, they're going to be like, Oh, this is star Wars. You know, like it's, you know it's the same thing it's it's the same thing it's just you know an earlier time period just like how you know they we look at old movies or you know representations of 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 earlier time periods like yep that was a long time ago you know so it's the same thing you know to me anyway but you know yeah i don't know They, they they probably have uh they probably have some you know polling firm data or something like that that tells me why I'm wrong, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. And so one of the things that is especially neat about doing this as a people's history um, of the old Republic and of canon, right, is that we are 
um, well, not particularly beholden to anybody, but we were especially interested in hearing the kinds of things um, that you, our listener, are interested in talking about, interested in what kind of places in Canyon you want to explore, what parts, like, um, we haven't touched on New Republic stuff. We might not touch on it for a long while, but maybe we certainly won't touch on it for a long while in the narrative part, but maybe while we are in our little narrative hiatus, it might be a great time to say, hey, here's a thing I wondered about in canon um, in that 30-year gap between Jedi and Awakens, and we might delve into that. So please um, send us your ideas for things you want to hear us talk about in our narrative hiatus. We have, we have some fun plans. We might, we might uh, poke around with life day a little. We're definitely going to poke around with the Mandalorian um, as soon as I finally finish watching it soon. I promise Um, we're going to have some good times, but just please send us your ideas. Yes, you, you should do that. Please send us your ideas. Um, and we will talk about them um but uh but yeah i think uh i think that's a good that's a good way to uh, wrap this one up right kelsey yeah i think we are we we have told our tale of two clone wars as best we are able to tell it today so um thank you for listening to this irregular episode of a people's history of the old republic Please rate, comment, and subscribe to FOTOR on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at FOTORPOD or email us at FOTORPODCAST at gmail.com. Send us questions and comments and we will answer them on the show. If you have anything you want to see us address in an episode while we're on our KOTOR 2 narrative hiatus, please tweet or email us your ideas and suggestions. We are especially responsive. I'm Ather10KD on Twitter. And I'm at Lucas Amazing on Twitter. Uh, thank you again, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>